Welcome to episode 81 of The Digital Life, a show about our adventures in the world of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Hey, John. What are we going to be talking about today? Well, uh, good one, Dirk. I thought we could talk about (laughs) the rise of voice recognition and voice user interfaces, uh, which are, are really starting to come to the fore uh, in in technology products this year, I think more so than uh, a lot of other interface types, uh, the VUI uh, has the potential to be this this seamless interface between man and machine, and and I think um, you know we're so used to. Uh, you know, the idea of, of touch screens now or uh, point and click interfaces that, you know, we basically grew up on or, or you know, you, you uh, can have the uh, controllers for your gaming systems or if you're uh, a coder or just an old school computer user, maybe you're used to the command line uh, interface. And all of these interfaces... Um, are are sort of a a slight hurdle to get the information from your head into this machine into the computer but i think more so than than any of these other types um the voice user interface is seems natural seems like what you should be doing when you're trying to convey information because certainly it's what we do with each other every day Uh, we convey information from person to person all the time uh, just using our voice Uh, we do all kinds of business transactions that way we attend conferences where we learn things or go to school or you know pretty much every transaction in our life uh, has some some voice element to it um, you know, with the exception of some of these uh, other user interfaces that we use. So, so for me, the idea that voice is going to become at least one of the next frontiers for uh, user experience design, I find really exciting. Uh, what are your thoughts, Dirk? Oh, I don't find it exciting at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't jump on the happy, happy, joy, joy train with you, my friend. Um, you know, I, I've got two two issues with it. I mean, one is that the promise of it just is never realized. And so, you know, I, I am an Apple user for the most part, and I have Siri, and I, I don't know. I find that Siri screws up half-ish of the time. Like, if I say John Smith, Siri gets it. If there's any kind of nuance or longer, more complicated stuff, it's it's a shit show. So... Um, I, I don't even really bother with Siri anymore unless I'm driving, you know, there's no way I can sort of drive and text and I'm really under some duress to have to try voice. There's, there's just too many fails. Um, and this is, you know, pretty close to the latest and greatest in voice recognition technology. The inability to recognize my voice, recognize my intent and to garble it into some crap, um, really, really is, is poor. And then sticking with Siri as the example, the software behind it isn't necessarily great either. So a, you know, something like um, search for the nearest Starbucks, the software then gives me a text menu where I have to look and look at street names 
um, of different places, which is totally worthless to me. If I'm asking for the nearest something, there is implicitly a, a an ignorance to street names and to place and to specifics. I just want the damn thing to start taking me where I want to go. So that's not the, the fault of the voice recognition, but it's the incompleteness of the software in and around the voice recognition that just makes it nonsense. It seems very logical. It seems like a great idea. It seems like it should work, but it, it sure as hell doesn't for me. So that's sort of my first um, big problem and objection with it. And let's talk about that, and then I'll circle back to my second. Yeah, so so I think the breadth of what Siri can do is probably a detriment to that VUI. And what I mean by that is if the product was purely for like Siri driving, right? Like, so that's, that's what the product is. And all, all they do is they hone that. So when you say, Siri, where is the nearest Starbucks? The system's optimized to say, oh, you know, go and take a left here and it's on, you know, Main Street. Um, I think the systems are fully capable technologically of doing that, but the mistake, I think, is that it's sort of the opposite of the design tact that Apple took when it when it created the iPod, right? So the right. iPod solves a very specific problem and does it so beautifully that you don't even really notice that it's, you know, the design integration. It just becomes part of you, right? Um, whereas with Siri, there's all these fails everywhere because, you know, it's certainly capable of, of providing you with some information, but instead the use cases are so broad that, you know, they can't do any one of them well. Um, and yeah. I think the driving one is a perfect example of that because certainly there are uh, voice user interfaces that are being implemented in cars that are much better than Siri, um, you know, and, and it's because it's this general use kind of mobile first out of, you know, they want to be first to market. So I think that's probably a botched rollout there. Um, but, you know, I agree that there's no reason why the nearest Starbucks should necessarily be a text list when, you know, you probably have to, you know, stop your car first to look at it. Um, so I agree with you in that on that point. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're on the same page there. What about the the part that, um, you know, the voice recognition, it's often garbling what I'm saying. If there's any length to it, if there's any complexity, and oftentimes street names do have weird complexity. Or again, I mean, most of my use cases for Siri are in the car. Um, ethnic restaurants can have some um, complexity, you know, relative to ye olde standard English. Um, uh, I think that's another huge problem that the voice recognition is so so questionable. Yeah, I you know I don't know the level of of um, a sort of growth that 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 technology has in terms of uh, you know understanding and you know learning what you're what you're saying over time, but I imagine that that is probably more of an engineering and a um, uh, you know, a, a database reference problem where there's just not enough reference uh, audio material. Um, not, you know, not that that couldn't be solved. I think a, a better, um, more honed uh, use case for, you know, Siri, 
in in a driving scenario would probably take in you know those those uh, restaurant names um, or the inflection of your voice uh, perhaps take that a little bit more seriously in in uh, in the design case there and and come up with a better solution but yeah. I, I, you know it's it's one of those things where um, I feel like I'm watching. Uh, the rollout of the MP3 player again. And I can't tell you how many of those I bought early on <laughs> where I was, it was a disaster. And I tried really hard to make the technology work for me. And sometimes it did and sometimes it didn't because yeah. I had a lot of interest in making MP3s uh, work, um, both for entertainment and for, you know, incorporating into uh, one of the bands I was I was working with at the time, uh, just to have some, you know, background music uh, for our tracks. So I really wanted those to work, and I spent lots of money on early MP3 players, and they were all awful. And when the iPod came along, I was just like, oh, geez, another one of these things? This is going to be <laughs> terrible. I'm never going to get it. And I was a late adopter of the iPod. Um, really late. I mean, basically my, you know, my, all the members of my family got them before I did because I was so burned by basically funding the R and D for <laughs> that product. Um, you know, on my wish list, it'd say, what's, you know, people would say, what's an MP3 player? I'd say, oh, here's the Amazon link or whatever. Um, go and get me this. Yeah. Um, and then when the iPod came out, I was just like, you guys are fools, <laughs> but it, it turned out to be the killer uh, you know, product for that category. Um, and my guess is that these early, um, these early misses are probably, um, you know, just that they're, they're early in the cycle and they're not honed. And so they're going to make early adopters frustrated as all, as all heck. Yeah, I think, I think that's really good analysis. So let's assume that it's solved really well and they, they figure it all out. That's going to lead into my second major objection, which is I think that the use cases where voice is appropriate in the real world are relatively limited. Like, I don't want people walking around in public spaces talking to the device in their pocket, right? I don't want people at the next cubicle talking to activate their workstation. I don't want... Um, you know, my family members in the same room talking at devices. Like, to me, the the use cases where voice is appropriate, where voice seamlessly and in a friendly way fits into environments are environments where we're alone, like in our car or in an office that, um, you know, has some, some noise protection and privacy to it. I, I just don't think the use cases are that limited. So the the intrusiveness of voice on other people is for me a real a real problem and why even though I can see in in certain cases voice being really nice and useful and convenient, I don't see it as this big game changing silver bullet. I see it as something that is either a lot more niche or if it becomes this huge sort of paradigm-controlling user interface, uh, boy, I think the world will be a lot worse for it. So um, so I, I hear you on that, but, but let's look at it from a slightly different angle. Let's, let's look at this voice interface as your personal assistant, right? So a per, like, let's look at it as, as, as a, you know, a person who can sort of do things for you, right? So, so let's say I was your personal assistant, and then you'd say, in the morning, you'd say, 
uh, hey, John, can you turn on that uh, computer for me and, and call it my email? Um, and then I would go and do that. I mean, you wouldn't find that interaction to be, you know, uh, awful. In fact, you know, it might be helpful to you because maybe you're holding a cup of coffee and a Danish, right? Sure, sure, sure. But you've, you've reduced it, though, from a technology to an app, right? We've just gone from, oh, this voice is going to be such a, a game-changing UI platform to, oh, a personal assistant app that's voice activated sure makes a lot of sense. And I agree, it does make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, so so instead of what I'm saying more is if you look at voice as the way of looking at your computer as more of a person instead of as a um, and I was just using personal assistant as a, you know, a type of um, work that a person could do for you. Right. But there's certainly a lots of other. Um, you know, types of tasks that this computerized person could do for you. Um, and I was just raising that in contrast to the idea that you're taught. I mean, so right now, if you had a room full of people who are all talking to their personal assistants, right, you know, hey, that sounds uh, sort of chatty, right? But I know that there are lots of environments in, in, in workspaces where, you know, for instance, the reporting environment where you have a bullpen of reporters, there's lots of people talking to lots of other people on the phone all the time. And, uh, and those environments, you know, work, uh, you know, fairly well. Well, they work, but they're not friendly environments. They're not environments that you or I would want to spend our day in. We would be complaining to our wives and not really happy with our jobs if we were if we were there, that's not for everyone. Sure. And then for hopefully for people like us who might like some quiet in a, you know, in a space where there isn't as much chatter, then the, the, the vocal uh, or sorry, the voice user interface would operate equally well, you know, in a less chatty environment. All, all I'm, all I'm uh, sort of crafting here is this idea that there's a, a more humane way to work with this um, you know, computer interface more in, in a more personable way, um, accepting that, you know, that I'm going to be speaking to it rather than typing to it. Yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, I think, I think there's validity to what you're talking about. But I mean, if we, if we look at how people use their devices in public spaces or around other people today, it's, it's generally in unfriendly ways. And we will, you know, as we're going down the street, just like we would tip, tip, tap with our fingers currently, we will be, you know, talking to our device and, um, you know, sort of um, ignoring or not caring about the strangers who are inhabiting spaces around us. So, you, you know, computing devices already, even just in the head down, tap, 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 are unfriendly. You know, the more that we move it to to voice, it'll be unfriendly as well. And people have proven that they, they'll treat strangers, they'll treat people in public spaces and environments with them like flotsam and jetsam and won't, won't um, have concern and consideration. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But I, I, think it's, I think it's going to be you know, yet, sort of yet another hit against um, civility and community and uh, treating, treating others well. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's you know it's it's there there's definitely a lot of uh validity to what you're saying as well so you know i i i agree there could be you know very awkward scenarios where everyone's talking to their um to their mobile device right the uh, one one example 
and and part of the reason why I've been enjoying at least one of the uh, uh, voice user interfaces uh, that's out on the market now um, is is the Amazon Echo, which I you know just got in the mail this weekend. And, you know, I was playing with that, and that has very, very limited use cases, um, but they are quite, I mean, from my perspective, they're quite fun um, in terms of um, Amazon Echo, you call it uh, Alexa, right? So in terms of Alexa finding the music that I want to play and, you know, telling me things like, you know, what the weather is or what the headlines are. And I noticed with my uh, my young son uh he's you know really taken with that interface uh because uh one of the things that alexa can do is uh tell him jokes so he's just endlessly entertained um by you know by that particular uh feature of the product and and i think you know watching him interact with it what it made me realize was that our voices and, and the words we say, um, we are really creating, you know, our own reality uh, as, you know, as we speak, right? So yeah. um, when I'm speaking to you, I can create a positive reality. I can talk about objects that are not present with us. I can talk about the future. I can, I'm, we're creating something as we're having this discussion. Um, and, and it goes back, I think, you know, even farther to the idea that, there's there there's magic in power in words, right? So if you're into uh, uh, you know sci-fi and fantasy, or even if if you're not, you know, going back in in human history, the incantation, right, has an awful lot of power in it. So special words that you say that create reality. So I think somewhere in there, you know, sort of mapping that experience where I saw my son's delight as he's asking Alexa to tell him more jokes and just won't stop, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And when we got in the car this morning, he said, Dad, I, I didn't talk to Alexa this morning. Like Alexa was a person right hmm. so yeah. so from that you know my imagination gets going and I, I start thinking what if what parts of reality can we make happen with the voice user interface and that I think is the promise ultimately of the technology you know notwithstanding all of the sort of perhaps horrible instantiations of voice user interfaces that we will most uh, uh, without a doubt uh, experience um, until we get there, but I I think there's going to be um, um, you know I, uh, this is probably a poor example, but when when you say hey you know I would uh, hey house um, boy it'd be really wonderful when I got home if if I could have some Chinese food delivered and then that's just done. Um, now that's not as magical as an incantation that you know. Uh, you know, summons, you know, a, a new reality, right? But that's not bad. Um, so, so I think there's an awful lot of promise there. And I think that promise comes not so much from the technology where it is now, but the promise of what, you know, what we can do as human beings with our words. I hope your optimism and positivity prove well-founded. I hope you're correct. Yeah, I, I mean, who knows, right? I could be completely... Uh, Completely wrong, but that's, uh, uh, we get to find out. Hopefully yeah. it's a positive experience. So listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, 
You can follow along with the things we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to thedigitallife.com, that's just one L in the digital life, and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening, or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, this whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at goinvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at D Niemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. Or email me, Dirk, at goinvo.com. So that's it for episode 81 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.